Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Lost Boy Academy. Today, I spoke with a good friend of mine from university, uh, Michael, um, who is currently working as a medical scribe in Seattle. We had a great conversation. We touched on the coronavirus situation in the States and in Japan, his experience in working in the medical field, and just tra uh, his trajectory about life in general. So I hope you guys enjoy. Just one thing to note is the audio quality on my end isn't that great in the ep this episode because there was some issue with the microphone, but I hope to improve from the next episode. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoy. Okay, yeah, it's recording. Um, yeah, thanks for uh, coming onto my show. You're the honorable second guest. Right, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me, Toby. Yeah, of here. course. Yeah, well, it's been a while since uh, we last um, uh, caught up. But um, yeah, how are things uh, in Seattle? They're doing pretty good. Uh, like you said, yeah, we haven't. We haven't talked in a few months. I'm sitting here in, uh, at my house in Seattle, and it's pouring down rain right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a it's a nice a nice sound to listen to right now. I see. Well, that's like uh, that's like a typical weather in Seattle. It's just kind it of is, always raining. Well, not always. It is but, very typical. But anyways, um, yeah. How uh, how are the things? Um, in Seattle, because my in terms of um, the Corona situation right now, because my sister lives in LA, um, and I know that things been things been pretty bad there. Um, and she told me that recently started to um, calm down a bit. More stores have been uh, opening up, but yeah, well, how, was Seattle um, uh, any worse than LA, or or about the same? Um, it's, it's hard to tell. I know, mm. as you may probably know, um, Seattle was the initial epicenter of the U S so, so right uh, next to where I live in, in a place called Kirkland, just like North of where I'm living right now mm -hmm. is where it first started and, and the outbreak was there. And, uh, and then it started spreading around the country and huh. there were, you know, some other, epicenters um but generally speaking i think in the last couple months washington as a state and seattle uh more so have uh they've been pretty good i mean um they've um got it more or less under control i don't know exactly what the numbers are right now but mm -hmm, it's something mm -hmm. that like i've started to pay less attention to as the time goes on, it's just hard to make sense of all the numbers mm -hmm. and what they mean and where they're going and just a little overwhelming. So I've sort of ignored that part of it. But I think we're much well, more well off here in Seattle than than places, you know, such as like New York City or mm -hmm. other places in the world, um, in, in Italy, obviously, and, and other places. But right now, things are starting to... Um, open up again stores are opening up 
you know, people are walking around more. Everyone's wearing masks uh, and, and being um, using a lot of, uh, you know, hand sanitizer and taking those sorts of precautions when going into public spaces, into grocery stores. Um, everyone seems to be more attentive here uh, where, where I'm living as far as I've noticed. Um, I see. But I, see. I think things are heading in the right direction for now. Mm. Have you, have you, cause right. Your, your house is located, um, in the suburbs of Seattle. Um, yeah. Maybe like so I'm, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm pretty close to downtown Seattle, uh, as you know, but, uh, yeah. for your listeners, I guess, uh, I was up living in Vancouver, um, Canada, uh, mm -hmm. Just up until a couple months ago, and then right as coronavirus hit, I came down to Seattle um, for a number of reasons, which maybe we can get into later on. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, so I'm down here in Seattle, and yeah, I'm with my family right now, and my house is maybe like 20 minutes out of downtown Seattle. Okay, okay. Um, so we're we're pretty close, and I would definitely consider where I live a suburban. Um, right neighborhood outside of seattle have um, you have you gone de downtown at all or i i haven't really been going around too much mm. it's kind of yeah it's kind of come in stages at the at the beginning of this whole um quarantine i was mm. i was i was staying at home pretty much all the time i mean nobody was going out really uh, mm. just for essential things like groceries and whatnot. And people are still doing that a little mm -hmm. less so uh, now that things are starting to open up. But recently, I started working, actually. Um, I got this new job as a, as, a, as a scribe, a medical scribe in a hospital. So I've been actually going back and forth from the hospital these days and, I see. and I uh, see. traveling a little bit more. And it's funny to see, actually... Um, you know, I've started to notice on my commutes to the hospital because I work quite uh, far away from from where I live, and so I have quite a bit of a commute. Um, but I've I've started to notice that there have been increasingly more cars on the road recently. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, and and I take the 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 main highway here in Seattle, so it's uh, I think it's pretty indicative of. Um, yeah, of, yeah, you know how many people are starting to move around a bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, uh, yeah. There was this, I think, in Japan too. Um, you see a lot more cars on the highway and just in the streets in general because uh, Japan completely lifted um, the state of emergency uh, as of last Friday or Thursday. Right. Yeah, that, which yeah. Is, yeah, I was a bit surprised. Um, what what are your feelings about that? Um, my feeling. Well, I guess my uh, initial feeling was I was just kind of a bit, um, a bit worried, scared, uh, because Japan, compared to other uh, places in the world, we lifted uh, uh, really quickly. Uh, but at the right. same time, I guess. Again, compared to um, the world, um, in many countries, I guess we, Japan, uh, is experiencing a lot less um, infectious rate um, overall. 
Um, yeah, I, 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 I guess the big question, like a lot of the, the scientists and um, the analysts are trying to um, kind of debunk the reason why Japan uh, wasn't really hit that hard the whole coronavirus because the neighbor you know the neighboring country like korea and china uh they were hit pretty hard with the virus um yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. what i mean uh, why do you think that is i i know that japan was um yeah that they their infection rates weren't as high as uh, some of the neighboring countries like you said Mm. But uh, nonetheless, they still went into uh, like a statewide lockdown, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, I just, I, I do definitely think like, um, I mean, I guess obviously this probably applies to a lot of the countries, but um, Japan, we are, we haven't been accurately been testing uh, uh, the patients uh, with the coronavirus and the numbers that, you know, we see on the news is, uh, definitely underrepresented. Um, yeah. um, I know that because the me- medical faci- there's a limit to how much the medical facility can test the patients. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the patients, uh, the people with symptoms, they go to the hospital, but then you know they get they can't necessarily get tested. They get rejected because I guess they just prioritize uh, people with heavier symptoms, and you know right. Um, and obviously, yeah. these guys that yeah went yeah sorry. No, so no, I was uh, uh, that's interesting because you say mm. you know the people in the hospitals uh, that want to be tested are not being tested um, mm. because of uh, you know the the need to test people of higher or have worse symptoms. But I it's funny just um, because you know when I go to the hospital and I'm working in the hospital, I work in. Uh, the emergency department and a number mm. of different medical centers uh, here near Seattle. And uh, what I've been seeing is something quite the opposite is that, you know, whoever, mm. whoever, who's, who, uh, whoever comes into the emergency department with a number of um, symptoms like shortness of breath or f- with, with accompanying fever or, um, uh, you know, the typical symptoms that, people with coronavirus seem to have uh they're testing all of them i mean i've been just mm. seeing uh, a lot of tests going out and um and so and so it seems to me that uh, testing s- seems to be increasing at this time i know like especially in the u.s early on there was a very uh like difficult uh, time getting up to speed with that but it's interesting mm. to hear what's happening there in japan yeah, well, I, I obviously like I haven't you know been in the front line uh, like you have been, uh, so I'm not really sure um, the exact situation is. But I just think, you know, we the the numbers that we see on the news the, uh, in terms of infectious rate is like thirty per thirty people per day, forty people per day, and I just think that's way too low considering how dense the the city is. Um, yeah, especially in yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, I'm just, yeah, I'm not sure, um, you know, one side, on one hand, uh, I want to believe that Japan is doing relatively well, and I guess we are, but I also think that we're not doing, uh, you know, as well as the, the number, uh, the reported numbers, 
Yeah. Well, it's a, it's really hard to tell, you know, with mm. uh, with the numbers being reported, whether they're accurate or not. And in mm. most cases, I think a lot of them are not very accurate, and it's really hard to tell at this point, like how many people have had it and how many have not. But I, but uh, I think, uh, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, like Japan, I, I was listening mm-hmm. to something the other day, um, and it, it's a podcast on mm-hmm. on Spotify called Hardcore History. Have you ever heard okay. of it? Okay, no, no, I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, Hardcore History. I forget the name of the guy that does it, um, but he. Let me just. Yeah, I forget. I forget his name right now. But look it up. Hardcore History on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and I started listening it to it uh, just the other day and it's this historian that does these long form podcasts on just mm-hmm. um um you know specific periods of time in history and just talks about it in a very like casual sort of way mm-hmm. and it's really easy to follow along and it's really interesting they are very very long podcasts mm-hmm. like, like some of them are like eight nine hours oh, wow. long so you gotta I know it's crazy, but <laughs> but he's got like a whole series of them. And but anyways, I was listening yeah. to one the other day, and it was talking about uh, the Japanese culture, especially mm. during you know World War Two and yeah. before, um, and how they have a very like sort of honor driven culture, mm. uh, a very uh, collective in a sense, mm-hmm. uh, very. A unified culture and that's even you know shown in i think you know they're one of the countries that uh that um um have accept less people in, mm. or give less citizenship out uh to people outside of the japanese country or something like that right yeah 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 and they they kind of have this idea of uh, you know uh, not letting as many foreigners in as some other countries in other Western uh, cultures. Um, but anyways, long story mm-hmm. short, I guess, uh, that they were talking about um, how, um, yeah, the, the Japanese culture and how they're very in line and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, do things a particular way. And I'm wondering how that mm-hmm. sort of, background um has mm. helped or not helped in in this mm. coronavirus situation yeah yeah when i yeah because when i was talking to my aunt in the u.s uh she lives in pennsylvania but i just talked to her now and then but she was also saying um i think she's a nurse but she was also uh-huh. saying how generally speaking japanese society or people are more um how do you how do you call it like obedient or uh, they compli uh, compliant is that a word uh, yeah compliant just yeah yeah um, yeah and I guess yeah I, I guess so and I can definitely see how that um, kind of plays into um, how we follow order from the government and uh, just behave accordingly um, yeah. Because, I mean, like, here here in the U.S., you know, everybody's uh, very individualistic yeah. and, you know, like, very, like, pro-personal freedoms and, mm-hmm. um, you know, their rights to be able to do certain things. And and I think it's 
a little bit of a different story when you get to some countries like Japan or even uh, other, you know, Asian countries mm-hmm. um, or even, you know, other parts of the world. I think uh, you just get a very different take on things. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, what sort of effect that has on everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I definitely uh, think that that um, the whole, the cult, the cult culture thing in Japan plays a role. But then again, I see people like uh, places like Korea and China, and obviously, you know, Japan. You know, I think we're kind of different one another um, culturally yeah. too. Um, yeah, I was, I was also talking with my mom, and she said that. Um, compared to, I guess, I guess the Western, um, the culture of the countries, um, uh, Japan, um, in general have less human to human contact. That's just, we don't like hug each other. We don't kiss each other. Like, yeah, yeah, friends don't really kiss each other, um, or hug, um, just different ways of expressing affection. Um, and also, um, I guess this is not only unique to Japan, but I guess a lot of the places um, in Asia, maybe in Hong Kong as well. But a lot, of, a lot of people, um, including myself, we live in a single studio apartment, um, and so it's easier to like, you know, mm. follow the rules and quarantine and stay away mm. from other people because it's more part of that uh, that culture, right? Yeah, and yeah, and then just how the crowded the city is, we are also uh, we have to live in uh, single studio apartments too, and that kind of minimizes our contact with other people. Yeah, um, yeah, huh. I guess yeah that that life structure definitely has like pros and cons. But maybe in this Corona situation, the pros kind of outweigh. Uh, yeah, there's definitely that cultural aspect too, and and I think um, I think the death rate like in the UK and the states is pretty high because I think partially it has to do with um, the the health condition of uh, the people, just in terms of mm-hmm. like obesity and um, pe- people with some sort of health um, and carrying some health issues uh, are yeah. definitely more prone to. Uh, dying and yeah, yeah. There, there's definitely a lot of more i think underlying mm. uh health issues mm-hmm. uh, in the, in, uh, amongst people in the u.s and in the uk and um other places that are seeing high death rates like that but also in italy i mean my uh, my um for you for any for your listeners i guess i i'm half half italian um and half english and, and my mom's mom Mom is the the Italian side of my family, and um, so I still quite have quite a bit of uh, family in Italy, especially in northern Italy, um, and and uh, you know I have a grandmother there, I have an uncle there, I have a couple cousins, uh, some other extended family. I was you know lucky enough to be able to travel there and spend a lot of time there growing up in the especially in the summers um and it's just been yeah interesting to see the different reactions to this uh situation and the two different 
countries um, and to see how, you know, Italy has handled it, what they've gone through, what's going on now in the country and how they plan to move forward. Um, I think it's a very different approach than what is happening, at least here in the U.S. Oh, really? Um, You know, yeah, I think it's a completely different thing over there. Uh, and And it's hard for... Um, you know, people here in the U.S. Uh, to to see that because they don't have that sort of connection to those countries that have seen it much uh, worse than than we have here, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I, I guess I have a slightly different perspective on this whole scenario just because I, I know people um, that have uh, seen it very differently. In, in in I guess in Italy um, and so now they're starting to open up as well but it was just a completely different story there people were really like self-isolating uh, not being able to even leave their property a huge majority of the country uh, lives in apartments so they don't really have like a garden to themselves or any space outside and in many cases uh, you know you have these big I mean, regular sized families, but they're all enclosed in this in, in a small space and unable to go outside for more than half an hour. If you go outside for more than half an hour, you need a per, basically like a permission from the government that you print out and write down why you're leaving your house. And if you don't have one of those, then you're liable to be fined or or um, you know. I, I, it's funny, my my. Um, my uncle uh, just the other day got a 400 euro fine uh, for getting his car washed. Wow. <laughs> and he, you know, it was just a few days ago. So it's still like still going on, but he was, yeah, he just wanted a car washed and he, he went to go do it. And a, a police, uh, I guess, saw him and issued huh. him a 400 euro ticket. So like, it's very different than, here i mean people are walking around doing their own thing uh not too many questions are asked and uh it's just a a very different situation um and i think do you think i think a lot of people would yeah no no no. keep going well i just think a lot of people would would uh would benefit from um seeing it in a different way um yeah you know it's it's very situational and and i think it's important to keep perspective on these sorts of things huh i I wonder if like the difference in how italy and the u.s handle is because the difference in the severity of the damage uh, from the coronavirus or do you think it also has to do with just how the again like culturally too um how um the government works differently because the italian yeah. culture versus the american people their yeah. way of thinking and hmm. I, I yeah i i would say that the, it's a bit of both it's definitely mm. it's definitely to do with the culture no doubt about it but it's also to do with the severity of the situation I see. Um, <clears throat> but it's it's yeah it's hard to tell really because Italy is obviously a much smaller population than, mm-hmm. than the U.S. and so things tend to be more sort of like concentrated, um, mm-hmm. and 
it's hard to tell what the proportions are. I mean, the U.S. is pretty bad now too, but you know, there are 350 million people that live in this country, so it's kind of more mm-hmm. widely dispersed. But in Italy, like the one city of Bergamo, which is uh, a small city on Lake um, Cuomo, um, mm-hmm. and it's in the north of Italy, and they got it the worst out of anybody. Uh, you know, they were in a small little city. There were uh, thousands of people that were dying because of this thing. And, you know, they had to bring in the military and they were bringing out, you know, people in coffins by the hundreds. It was just an awful situation, wow. right? Um, and, and, um, and we just haven't seen that to the same degree here in the U.S. Maybe a little bit in New York, um, but definitely not in Seattle, um, not not to that degree. And especially in my own experience, uh, you know, working in the hospital, like I just haven't seen it as high as uh, this other places. I see, I see, huh? Yeah, yeah like I, because I, I, uh, you mentioned a few times that you, you're working in a hospital and I definitely want to hear more about that. Um, yeah. No, I. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 because no, because like last time, I think just just one sec. I'm just gonna check my video real quick if it's recording or not. Sure. I'll be back. Okay, glad I checked because it wasn't recording. Um, oh, it wasn't recording. Yeah, I mean, uh, the audio was, but yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. The last time, last time I spoke to you um, on Skype, I think two months ago. That's when uh, I think I think the few days before you uh, started your uh, position in this hospital in Seattle. Um, yeah. So I, I guess I want to know. Um, not what exactly you do. You briefly mentioned uh, at the very beginning, uh, um, and just you know, are you working there like five days a week or, um, yeah? Just can you kind of uh, give me like a rundown of what you do there? Sure. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, definitely. Um, yeah. So we talked a few months ago. So a lot has sort of happened or progressed in my professional life, but um, I. What was it? This all kind of started um, in in January, right before this whole virus thing happened. Uh, I was up in Vancouver, and I wasn't working. I I was working for a nonprofit organization mm-hmm. in mental health. Um, I see. That uh, is a sort of supportive housing for people mm-hmm. that are at risk for being not only homeless but also have some sort of underlying mental health issue. And so I was working there. Um, for about, I don't know, just under a year, um, but only as a casual, casual position, um, meaning that I sort of only filled in when they needed me or that when somebody was sick and they would call me in. But I ended up working quite a bit, almost almost full time at, time, at <clears throat> certain times of the year. But in, anyways, in January, uh, they started, I stopped calling me really. And I, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it wasn't really working much, and so this kind of just, prompted me to start looking at. They, yeah, I mean, 
the, yeah, I don't know what it was. I oh. think it was just like people <laughs> people were um, not getting sick. I don't know. They wanted to work more, and uh, they they didn't. Um, I guess mm. they didn't need extra help. Let me just take a sip of water here, just think. And um, um, so, yeah, so they weren't really calling me as much. And so that sort of forced me to look at other jobs. And I came across um, a medical scribe position. Mm. How'd, you, how'd, you find that? how'd you find that position? I, well, I've always kind of known about it. I've always mm-hmm. known that it's like a possibility. Um I like I've spent some time in hospitals before and I've seen scribes working in the emergency department and other parts of the hospital. So I knew they existed and there was no such opportunity like that in Canada, which was where I was living at the time. So I see, I see. I didn't, I didn't uh, really pursue that path, but once I was back in Seattle, I decided to give it a go. <clears throat> Sorry, and, just, uh, just just for my own sake, but what is what is a scribe position, or what is yeah yeah? So um, a medical scribe is basically somebody that is responsible for all the charting and all the note taking that occurs from the moment a patient arrives to the emergency department to the moment that they leave. Um, I so. See. I am spending the entirety of my shift, which is usually eight hours, uh, alongside a either doctor or a physician's assistant. <coughs> and um, <coughs> sorry, um, and uh, so so yeah, I'm so basically when a patient comes in, they have a whole note that is that is um, created for them to document everything that happens uh, in the department, <clears throat> what they come in with, their, their story about their, um, whatever they're experiencing at the moment, a list of <clears throat> the, all the labs that are done, all the um, sort of like radiology reports, the images that are taken, if they're taking like x-rays or CT scans or MRIs or whatnot. That's all documented. I'm documenting um, consultations that the doctor is having with other doctors regarding a specific patient. Um, I'm just a lot of dictation. Yeah. We're doing like physical exam findings. Um, so so you, you're, you're like actually on the site when the doctor's talking to a patient or... Um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm right in it, and it's been a, an amazing experience so far. I'm having a lot of fun. Um, I'm, I'm, so basically, like what happens, um, just to give you a little rundown mm-hmm. of more specifics of what I do. Um, I, so I, so I have information about where I'm working. It could be, you know, at uh, at the big hospital, Tacoma General Hospital. Or a few other small, smaller emergency emergency departments in the in the uh, vicinity, and uh, I show up to work. I get my computer out that's provided to me from the hospital, of course. Uh, I sign into the electronic medical records 
system that they have, which is called Epic. And um, <clears throat> doctor comes in, start chatting, and uh, then we start seeing patients right away. Um, almost immediately after the doctor comes, you know, patients are lining up in the waiting room. They're in the patients' rooms. We need to go see them. So. I take my laptop into the patient's room with the doctor. He starts asking questions like, why are you here? What happened? Um, you know, what's going on? How can we help you? And then at that point, the patient starts talking about, you know, giving their story and what happened to yeah. them. And I'm writing down all of this. I'm like paying attention to to certain things that they say. I'm paying attention to all the questions that the doctor is asking uh, and mm. writing the responses that the patient gives. I'm, you know, being specific with the um, the um, particular uh, different elements of the illness that this person is having, like there's mm. the severity of the pain, the onset of the pain, any associated factors or any modifying factors, uh, any context and... Um, and and anything else that I think is important or that is being asked by the doctor. So all that is done. And then, you know, uh, and then I we leave the room and I start mm. doing other documentation uh, for them. I go through something that's called a review of systems, where it's just like a checkbox um, or checklist of all the different systems of the body. And I'm seeing whether... Um, everything's, uh, you know, if there's mm. any complaints that the patient was making, I put it into the various systems mm. and, um, and yeah, and we do physical exam findings. The doctor does their physical exam and then dictates their findings to me. I write it all down. Um, I'm yeah, like I said, writing consultations down and it's all quite a, a, a process, but it's been in an incredible experience so far it's like learning a completely new language yeah um, but it, it's, it's been like, a lot of fun yeah and huh and then obviously all the doctors have to rely on your uh records and documents and kind of yeah i mean right? it's, so it's a important. little bit yeah it's a little bit <laughs> stressful to yeah, be, um, be completely honest i mean um yeah they rely on those notes uh, very heavily they're all published you can see all these notes on the in the computer system and everybody mm -hmm. um basically that has access to that computer program can see those notes and they're used for legal reasons you know if a doctor gets sued then they go back to these charts to see what happened during this visit and so it's very important to write down certain things um to have certain sort of elements to the notes that are always consistent and mm. uh, document the most important parts of a patient's visit to the emergency department. Um, so but, do you have like, uh, oh, sorry. Do you have like, um, so like few different doctors that you work with? Um, yeah, just it's, not anyone. yeah. That it's always a different doctor pretty much. Oh, it's always, um, oh, like wow. I said, yeah, it's always somebody different. I've been working at, I think, five or six different locations. Mm. And um, so, you know, I think there's like a total of maybe like 40 different doctors that oh, wow. work at these different locations. Yeah, it's quite a big And, and they're all, they're, they're um, all specialized. 
like specialize in um, like different fields? They're all specialized in emergency medicine, right? Because that's all in the emergency department and that's the specialty. Um, but yeah, they're different locations. Mm. Uh, I work with different physician doctors. Um, they have their different styles of interviewing patients. They have uh, different styles of how they like their notes uh, written. And so mm. um, you kind of have to just adapt to the different doctor's um, yeah. styles and, and work with what you got. And you have to be very communicative, you know, asking questions, asking them to repeat certain things and asking them to spell out things if you, do, if you can't figure, figure mm. it out. And uh, yeah, but I think it's very, very helpful for the, for the doctors um, mm. for yeah, what definitely. I see and heard um because it takes that strain off of them and they can start you know uh paying attention yeah. more to actually treating the patient rather than worrying about all this note-taking business right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. wow so do doctors are generally they're nice as in like I, i'm yeah. if you're working for like different 40 different doctors like some of them might be like you know like a dickhead or <laughs> so might you know some <laughs> like are like maybe nicer than the others and what well, yeah what's yeah, your experience no, that's definitely been a concern of mine. I thought I was going to get a bunch of doctors that were just complete assholes, but because, yeah. uh, because, you know, before I started this, I started, you know, reading things online about people that had um, similar experiences that were doing scribe work. And a lot mm -hmm. of them said, you know, the doctors can be nasty. They can be uh, sort of arrogant and look down on scribes because scribes are, you know, like at the bottom of the, of the food chain in the medical system. Um, but uh, that has definitely not been the case for me. Every doctor that I've worked with so far, which has only been uh, maybe five or six different doctors, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. um, so far they've all been very pleasant to work with. You know, they, awesome. they um, yeah, they're very engaging. You know, they ask me questions. Um, they... Uh, make me feel part of the the, the system and, mm. and uh, you know they crack jokes and we have a good time okay. um, and I really feel like I'm you know part of the team when I'm working with them and it's a it's a really nice feeling uh, being on the inside for the first time really in my professional life oh. huh I wonder if that's because like you chose all the the right hospitals or I'm not sure how like hospital culture ex if it exists, but uh... yeah, it's hard. To, uh, it's hard to tell. I I definitely know that people have had negative experiences, and that's there's no doubt that like you know sometimes doctors get stressed and they're like dealing with a lot of patients, and and the job gets difficult and it comes out and mm. and maybe uh, unwanted ways, but. Um, mm. And maybe it has to do with just working in Seattle. I don't know if you know mm. people in Seattle are much any nicer, but uh, it's it's been good so far, and they've been treating me pretty good, and I've been having a lot of fun, and um, it's it's very fast paced, but I I like it, and uh, mm. I've been enjoying it quite a bit. I I see, huh? Because. You know, you before before um, working for the hospital, you're working. You said in mental health, um, I guess care or center for about a year. Um, yeah, it's probably, it's probably a lot. Yeah, that's a lot different taste. So. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, well, what, just what, what, polar what, what, opposite. Yeah, what did you um? 
What you do in the mental health center? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, they couldn't be um, far enough away from each other. These these two different jobs were completely different. I mean, mm. when I was working in the mental health uh, for the nonprofit, it was a great experience. Uh, I learned a lot. I had a, um, I met a lot of awesome people there. I worked with a lot of great uh, coworkers. Um, and it was a terrific experience, mm-hmm. but it wasn't sort of as engaging as um, something like I'm doing now. It's just a completely different setting, right? When I was there, I was, I was, um, you know, we were we were doing fun activities. We were playing ping pong with the tenants <laughs> and doing right. chess, <laughs> and like there were. I mean, there were obviously yeah, serious that things that awesome. too. And, <laughs> I know it was a lot of fun and and we were doing we were like you know just making sure that the tenants uh were doing okay we would meet mm. with them once in a while to make sure they were like on on uh you know w- with their goals doing well if they needed any extra help um kind of working out paperwork for them if they needed it um yeah, all sorts of things, uh, mm, but mm. you know, these people in all cases almost had some sort of serious mental health issue. A lot of yeah. people with schizophrenia, with uh, bipolar disorders, with a lot of um, uh, substance use, and and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, it was yeah, it was a different atmosphere. But I, uh, they they're both. Uh, very positive in their own own ways yeah. I and mean, there were benefits in uh to each one and uh and yeah so <laughs> uh, and, and, yeah. and there's like mental health center like you know with, with this with dealing with schizophrenic people and bipolar were, were, did you actually see that side of these uh people when they had these symptoms uh kind of um being on surface yeah i i definitely saw you know a lot of the good and a lot of Mm -hmm. the bad um attributes of these people um some of them you know they were rather i mean high functioning people you know they could in the most uh in most cases you know took care of themselves and Mm. um and uh, they were living in this this building that was used to be, you know, the private home of an old mayor of Vancouver, actually. And then they turned it into a um, into this nonprofit um, organization of supportive housing. But uh, they completely redid the the interior of the building and looked really nice and modern. And they did a really good job. And so there were, I think like just over 50 tenants that lived in that building, three, three or four, four floors. Um, and every person had their own unit uh, with their mm. own bathroom and, and a uh, few like um, furniture items that were given to, uh, that were provided to them from mm-hmm. the, the organization. Um, and yeah, there were definitely like a lot of, interesting experiences mm. i've had there mm. uh, a lot of like weird situations um <laughs> <laughs> i mean you can imagine but yeah. i also had a lot of really good experiences meeting a lot of great people 
um, and um, and it's a, mm-hmm. definitely an experience that I will remember for for a very long time. I see. I see. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. I wonder. Did you? Did you? Uh, I I told you that I was I was working in uh, this nonprofit before, right? Yeah. I wonder, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. um, what? Yeah. Yeah. That. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, you know that uh, you know in Vancouver, there's quite a mm. big problem with uh, you know homelessness and yeah, mental yeah. health issues and and uh, that sort of thing. What was your impression? I'm I'm curious to know yeah. about you know in the Japan? whole situation in Vancouver and in Vancouver uh, and how it compares to a place like you know Japan where you are I now. Or... Mm. Yeah, um, for my experience. My experience, it seems like mental health issues is uh, still being like you know um, considered as some something um, those like like quote unquote like crazy people have uh, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I guess in Vancouver, uh, I mean, I didn't really. Mm, because you, you, I mean, you remember going down to like uh, Gastown and East uh, yeah, East yeah, East yeah, East yeah, yeah. like Chinatown. I mean, it's gotten pretty bad down there, and I don't know if it's gotten any better, but uh, I just remember it being pretty awful down there, and uh, it's it's just like really sad to see. But I'm wondering, does mm-hmm. does Tokyo or the surrounding area mm-hmm. does it have much of a problem with uh, homelessness um, um. or those sorts of things? Yeah, in Tokyo, um, you see homeless people, um, but in a very specific uh, area in the city. Um, and but obviously not. I, from my understanding, uh, not to the extent uh, in Vancouver or when I visited San Francisco, uh, uh, not to yeah. that extent. Um, but yeah, you definitely see homeless people. Um, on the on the street, um, near are there big I'm... like mm-hmm. centers of people um, that you know mm-hmm. pitch up tents or are living on the street? Like you know, in Vancouver, it's only it's centralized and basically just a couple few blocks of the city, but it's really really bad right there. Right, so I'm wondering right. if if uh, there's uh, a similar thing in, in Tokyo. Um, I I believe they're all kind of like scattered uh, around. In the city, um, yeah. I don't think government has really provided like a space or area for them to uh, freely uh, have set up their tents and live. Um, yeah. uh, maybe they might. I think uh, they're just kind of wandering around during the day, and in the evening they might, uh, you know, go to a park and spend the night there. Um, there's one park called the Ueno Park in Tokyo, which is. A pretty, it's known to be a gathering place for a lot of homeless people, um, but it's it's a lot. It's also um, a tourist area as well as many locals just go there to hang out during the day. And I visited there during the day, but you just don't you don't really see that many homeless people. But I'm sure in the evening there's a different scene. Um, yeah, and and but yeah, it was. And I think as the the Tokyo Olympics uh, that they're trying to host this year, uh, I see a lot of a lot of um, 
uh, the spaces where the homeless people used to be were just um, filled with like cones and uh, barricades, oh, uh, and a, a lot of the the, the benches and the seats uh, are you know there's like a um, concrete um, fences in between so the homeless people cannot uh, uh, lie down. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah they've and, sort of been displaced by by the Olympics. Are, are they yeah. are they still planning on um, what, what's the latest with the Olympics in Japan? The, the, the latest in Japan. Well, the new Olympic period has been set. Um, I think they shift it by a day um, from the current date, the, the planned date. So we do have the new Olympic period, but within the specific like a uh, specific discipline of sports. Um, the dates haven't been decided because um, a lot of these sports are obviously there's a big association uh, behind and you know such as if soccer there's FIFA and FIFA got their own annual schedule for different competitions um, right yeah when, and, are they, when is mm-hmm. the uh, when is the the Olympics I, I haven't been really keeping up with uh, it, but yeah. when have they rescheduled it the new date new date is from the the 23rd of July. Uh, the original date was oh, 24th, wow. 24th of July. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see uh, what they're going to do. So they didn't actually move it back then? Uh, moved Did it. They? Moved it. Yeah, it was uh, originally. Mm-hmm. They didn't, uh, they didn't, like, I, I thought it was um, that they were, you know, moving it back because of the whole coronavirus. Yeah, they only moved, they postponed it for a year, so it's 2021. Um, and yeah, they're starting. Oh. Yeah, yeah, they moved, they postponed for one year. Um, with Oh, okay, so you're talking about July of 2021. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see, okay. Yeah. All right, well, that makes sense then. Yeah, all right. we'll see. Um, I don't know, I feel like the Olympic kind of just creates a new, like, earth. Uh, you know, so yeah, it's like so, well, different countries visiting. But I know you you were you had something to do with um, the mm-hmm. the planning that was going on with the with the Olympics. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm currently working for the the road racing team. Um, it's a long distance bike race. Um, yeah, I'm one of the. 12 or 13 members that are organizing the event uh, just from the, the competition side. But is that, is that something new? Because I don't remember you saying that uh, last time we talked. Oh, really? No, I don't, I don't remember you being specific about what exactly. Oh yeah. yeah. In, but, but that's what um, you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working um, in the, the road racing team. Um, so, so but, yeah. What, mm-hmm. What do you what do you do for them exactly? Um, well, my title <laughs> there is uh, the vehicle supervisor. Um, yeah, I had nothing to do with the sports, but they just somehow gave me this position. Uh, I'm not really sure why, uh, but yeah, in the road racing, there's so many vehicles that are involved, and in each team or each nation has uh, a vehicle um, uh, with their uh, with the bike racks on on the roof attached. And these mm-hmm. bikes, uh, these vehicles follow uh, the players. Um, they're not really shown 
in the TV when they broadcast the sports because they focus on the the riders. Uh, but then behind, there's uh, also the referees. I think there's like four or five referees in each vehicles. So there's just like a huge convoy behind all the the riders. Um, and oh, yeah, and all the vehicles are um, uh, procured by Toyota. Um, oh. and, and yeah, so I just, I'm, there's just another guy who's also in the same position as me, who's more experienced in the sports, but, um, uh, yeah, we just make sure, um, well, we, we're just, we just figuring out the flow of all these vehicles on the day of the competition, um, and the days. Wow, leading that's up. awesome. Yeah. I, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, I didn't, I obviously didn't pay much attention to this sports, but um, it was it's kind of cool to know that there's just so many uh, vehicles and um, vehicles that are involved um, and being actually uh, <laughs> able to yeah, manage all these. Like, there's like 200-something vehicles. Um, it's pretty crazy. Um, but uh, So I remember you saying that uh, you weren't sure whether or not you wanted to remain in this position and that you were perhaps looking for another uh you know job somewhere somewhere else and yeah uh where 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 are you on that now two months after we talked last yeah well so my contract ends uh in four months um and yeah ever since about like this year um in january february uh it was like ongoing conflict that's been uh, going on in my head whether to uh quit or not and yeah the Mm -hmm. job itself sounds I mean, it is, um, it is pretty cool to just kind of uh, take a step back and just uh, think that I'm, you know, organizing one of the big, uh, the biggest uh, sports events in the world. Um, yeah. But it's it's at the same time it's um, it's a bureaucratic organization, um, and it's my first time working in a very Japanese uh, corporate uh, environment. And yeah. yeah, I'm. I have no regrets in uh, working. Um, just so that I can always, uh, that just so that I can kind of, I was able to see what's it like. Um, and obviously, there's so many different organizations yeah. and companies in Japan. Um, but mm, yeah, I'm not. It's 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 very. Where, where would you like? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a stressful job. Yeah, it's pretty stressful and. Um, yeah, I, the, the the demographic of my team, they're all 40 or above and just not many young people. Um, and it's not as international as I expect it to be, even though it's a, uh Olympic organization. Um, and yeah, yeah maybe, maybe just working in, just in Tokyo too, just commuting every day on subway kind of <laughs> makes me uh, go crazy. Um, but well, past- I, I, I can believe I can believe that I mean I've seen I've seen videos of uh, you know the, the subways in Tokyo I've been on the subways in Tokyo I guess remember when I came to visit you in yeah. Tokyo the, yeah, yeah, a few yeah. years ago <laughs> yeah it's uh, yeah I remember the, being a busy place but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Huh, that's interesting Where, if, mm-hmm. if you do decide to to um, 
to leave your current job, do you have any idea of where you would like to go next or any interesting um, uh, ideas? Yeah. I know you've been always interested in the hospitality just in general and uh, perhaps like working in a hostel or starting a hostel or um, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I always thought that was a really, really awesome idea. And so I'm mm. like where, where you're at, at uh, what are the next steps for you? Yeah, um, that's definitely something that I've been thinking uh, a lot. And I don't think I've come up with like a answer, but in terms of direction, I, de I do want to get out of uh, Tokyo at least, just get out of the city um, and just kind of experience more, more of that um, slow life. Um, and yeah, I don't, you know, one way to get out of my current position is to just kind of find another um, nine to five, like, you know, jo jobs online. Um, but I definitely do want to take some few months off. Uh, yeah, maybe working at a hostel, traveling inside Japan or outside of Japan, if that's possible. Mm -hmm. um, because I don't think I really took the time between college and my first job to really think uh um, well, I, I, I did think of, um, what kind of job I wanted to get, but, um, I do want like a time to reflect a little mm -hmm, before making a big decision. Yeah, mm. yeah of course. It's something that you gotta like think through, um, uh, a lot. I, I remember, yeah, you did, you, you were out of Vancouver right when schools ended practically. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, re I remember you saying that you, like, you, you wish that you would have maybe traveled a little bit, um, before you started a job like that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a difficult decision to be made because then you have to worry about like where you're going next and, mm -hmm. and what kind of job you're looking for experience do you want to like leave the city do you want to leave the country so so many questions to be asked and and uh and i just have to say that um mm -hmm. that uh if there's any time to do those sorts of things mm -hmm. you know now's the time when we're when we're relatively still young mm -hmm. and don't have so many um things tying us down uh, and we have a little bit of freedom and yeah definitely. um i mean i think it's a it's an awesome it's an awesome idea just to try to get as many experiences as you can um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know traveling meeting new people whatever it might be taking risks is a big one you know trying to trying to get out of your comfort zone and and try something new um it's definitely something that's very important i think and yeah definitely. which we don't do enough of yeah yeah what about what about yourself like you know i've always known you as a guy that was um that's interested in the medical field um and you know you studied um did you study neuroscience and you yeah uh, neuroscience. yeah yeah um and then you know after yeah. graduating you worked in you know obviously medical fields and um yeah do, do you um do you have any like do you I, i'm not sure how long you're gonna be uh working um and and what was the position Sc script no uh, scribe S yeah, scribe yeah, yeah medical scribe yeah um i don't know do you, i'm sure you you know there's like 
good side and the bad side that you're experiencing at work and um, is, is becoming a neurosurgeon. Um, is that something that you're still thinking um, somewhere down the line or um, yeah, yeah. what? I know it's a t- tough question, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is definitely a, uh, a tough question. And um, I, you know, it's hard to tell where I will be down, you know, the road in five, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I haven't even gone into any uh, medical program yet. I'm, I'm actually, I'm applying to schools right now, but uh, I applied last year um and about this time last year and unfortunately i didn't get into any school i got interviewed at the university of washington i thought it went pretty well um and i was put on the waiting list but then didn't actually end up getting into the school and i actually didn't get i didn't get any other interview or um anything from the 12 15 schools that i applied to so you know, it's a grueling process. It's a long yeah, process. And uh, it's, you know, sometimes I ask myself, like, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, am I going down the right path? Is this right for me? Uh, is it worth <laughs> worth it all? But I think those are totally normal questions that everybody asks themselves for, you know, whether it be a job or, or a relationship or, or whatever it might be. Those are always questions that are, inside our head um and i think it's important to have those questions um and ask yourself the tough questions because they lead you to having a better sense of clarity as to Mm -hmm. like where you want to go what your values um uh, what you want to accomplish in your life and what the what sort of things make you happy and i think those are the questions that you need to ask and Sometimes they're scary questions to to ask, you know, uh, whether like, uh, you know, it's a good idea to 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 stay in your own um, in the job that you have now, or should you take a risk, try something different? Um, but uh, I think only through through those questions uh, we we get to where we need to go. And so to answer yours, uh, do mm. I want to? Or am I still pursuing a path to become a neurosurgeon? <laughs> I don't know. If, I mean, neurosurgery is, is. I mean, it was kind of an idea I had back mm-hmm. uh, a while ago. Um, but I want to keep my mind open. I want to, you know, try sure. different things, see what interests me. Um, I need to get into school first, and then you know, go mm-hmm. through all of medical school, which is four years, and then I decide. Um, mm. what I would like to just pursue as a specialization if indeed sure. that's what I want to do. But, um, but so you yeah, you would so like to, it's hard to tell. Right. So you would like to go to med school yeah. one day? Yeah, uh, that's yeah. the idea. Yeah, that's, that's definitely uh, on, on my radar. I'm, you know, uh, that's part of, I mean, mainly the reason why I, I wanted to do the scribing position um, and, uh, you know, I'm doing my applications right now, but yeah, um, it's definitely not always been like this for me. You know, yeah. I, I'm pretty set on it now, but it wasn't like this, you know, just a few years ago when we were going to college together up in UBC. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't, 
it wasn't really until maybe third or even fourth year where I decided like, yeah, this is what I want to do and go down. Um, but even, even now, I mean, there are always questions. So I don't want you to or anybody to get the impression that like, uh, you know, that, that these things are all set in stone. And, yeah, and uh, yeah. you know, I think you always have to be evolving and trying and, and asking different questions and lead, going down different paths. And, mm. and, uh, and it could be medical school. It could not be. I mean, I, it's right. hard to tell yeah. at this point. It seems to be going in that direction, but I don't know. Yeah. A lot of things could happen. Because for, for me, like, I think at the end of the, like, towards the end of senior year, I was so, like, fed up with school. Um, it's going to, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I was just so, I was just so eager to uh, work. Because um, that's some, um, yeah, I was so eager to work. But then now, I'm not really sure. Um, what exactly I would study if I were to go back to school. But one thing that's for Mm -hmm. sure is I would definitely appreciate uh, the lectures and the time that I have to be able to um, allocate to something that I enjoy or, or um, I guess uh, just, yeah, just to be able to pursue your own interest because I've been working for, I guess, like two and a half years. Um, you spent, unfortunately, for the case of B, I just spent majority of my time not doing something I enjoyed or I didn't, I wasn't interested in. Um, mm-hmm. But I just know if I were to go to the school or go back to school, um, I will choose a subject um, that, that would interest me. And um, I would definitely, va- yeah, be more appreciative of the time that I will have at university. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's, that's fascinating because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you realize that like only because you had this experience of working a nine to five job, are you now able to say that I would, you know, more appreciates the, the time that I would have pursuing an education and going to mm-hmm. lectures and doing all those sorts of things. But it's only because you're doing what you're doing right now. So um, had you not had this experience, you would have never had this sort of insight about uh about how you would uh, look at uh, going to class again. And I think, you know, university, undergrad, um, you know, everybody's sort of, ex- uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say everybody, but, uh, you know, um, you, you're kind of expected to go through that process, right? You're kind of mm-hmm. expected to go through undergrad, go to your, all your classes, do reasonably well, get a degree, and then boom, you're ready for the professional life. Yeah. But, um, it kind of takes some of the a, appreciation out of it, like not really taking the time to take it all in. And I think that that's definitely the case for me. Um, you know, I didn't fully realize what sort of awesome experience going to university was and and um you know going to lectures and that sort of thing. Mm, i think mm. i had a relative a, a good you know college experience for sure mm-hmm, yeah but i think sense. i could have definitely um gotten more out of it there was just more opportunities there uh mm-hmm. that i didn't um, take advantage of and i think that if i were to do it again or if i were to go on to do yeah um, you know postgraduate uh, program i would definitely um maybe approach it from a different angle mm, 
do 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 you think do you have any like pressure from your family to kind of um to get a certain type of job or uh like a lifestyle mm-hmm. that they want you to live or uh, do you do you feel uh, that in any way or i there is sort of uh, an underlying pressure that uh, that definitely exists, but mm. it's never been explicit. And like, you know, no one's ever told me, you know, you need to do this or you need to go to college and get this degree or mm. you need to go to medical school or whatever. It's never been like that, which I'm very fortunate in, in that way. I know a lot of people that have you know, a family like that, that is literally like forcing them to go down a different or a particular path yeah. in which perhaps in some cases these people don't want to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's some sort of inherent uh, mm-hmm. pressure um, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, my, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think everybody has a sort of yeah. expectations and uh, from their family and from people around them, society in general, friends, mm-hmm. and, what and uh, there's always that constant pressure in the background. But in some cases, I think that's actually a good thing because yeah. if we didn't have that pressure or sort of stress uh, pushing mm-hmm. us to do something, then perhaps we would never do anything. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, and, uh, no. What I about don't... what about you? Um, no, I was just going to say like, yeah, there's definitely like, um, sense of satisfaction, uh, that you can get by meeting those expectations. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just like how much, I guess, sacrifice, uh, you can tolerate to meet that expectation, uh, is really up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, um, I can, yeah, I can, uh, on one hand say that I, have i feel expectations uh from my mother mother side the japanese side um Mm -hmm. and maybe it's also um i don't think i I don't think necessarily like 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 a personal like pressure from that that i get specifically from my mom but i guess uh systematically uh, in japan um it's almost like 95 98% of people um at their junior year of college um they enter the season called the job hunting season so they start wearing suits mm-hmm. to school and then after like after between classes they would go to companies they would have interviews and yeah almost 99% of the students uh they 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 have offer by the time they uh graduate from university and they have maybe a month one month or two months to hang out like i don't go for go on travel but then they just yeah go go into straight to work and uh yeah we have this terminology called shinsotsu which means like the newly employed people and they're usually um Mm -hmm. uh they have they, they have a age demographic attached to that term so guys in their from like 19 to 23 like fresh after co- fresh after um after graduating college um they're just yeah. yeah expected to um yeah get a job and um yeah that's a big difference uh, i think a lot of people that i met in uh vancouver uh, my time at university uh you know it's, it's really normal for them to 
kind of okay like graduating and just start thinking of um of what they want to do um and right. yeah there's i think a big difference in that and for me i think the reason why i got the you know the, well, I, the reason why i was looking for even looking for a job uh when i was in university in vancouver is definitely i was influenced by that uh the system and just how people do it here and yeah yeah so um, yeah part of me like definitely want to take a gap year uh not i don't know what that the term gap year really implies but after you know after i uh finish my current job i do want to take a few months off um um yeah well yeah, that's, a, that's a good good idea mm. i'm i'm curious uh i've been sort of keeping up with your uh instagram page and starting with starting from tokyo mm-hmm and uh yeah i've been having a lot of fun like you know seeing your seeing your pictures that you post on on different um different areas of tokyo and giving you know a short description about the location and some pieces of advice and tips and i think that's a really awesome idea and i'm i'm just curious to know like Thanks. what your inspiration mm-hmm. was to uh to start yeah. that and where where do you see that where do you see that going if if mm. anywhere um yeah, I think I really wanted a project outside of my very routine lifestyle that I had and I currently do have. Uh, once the week kicks in, you know, you kind of repeat the same thing that you're mm-hmm. doing. Uh, and I just wanted to really focus my time uh, and, and, you know, energy. Not not that much. It's only like, you know, one post takes like five minutes or not much yeah. uh time out of your life but yeah i just wanted some project that i can work on and also the reason why i chose um focusing on uh the nature scene uh, where i post i post a lot about the day hikes that you can do from tokyo to the nature just also i can kind of physically and mentally escape from uh the people that the the city life uh and Mm. just um yeah be out in the nature and uh yeah just how uh, often were you doing those trips i was doing it almost every weekend uh before the coronavirus thing oh wow Uh, yeah so that kind of yeah changed i really wanted to get the most out of the weekends because those are the only times that you know that i'm kind of like completely free to do whatever um so yeah Yeah. i just kind of went into bed really early uh woke up early took the train and yeah spent uh, my whole day uh, out of the city, and from yeah, for me to where, do that. Where would you? Where Where would you go? I mean, what were some of the highlights? Or like, um, yeah. did you always take a train? Uh, were you mm-hmm. by yourself? Did you bring people with you? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I'm just uh, curious. Yeah, I definitely. Uh, I took the train usually. The the concept of um, I guess my blog is. Um, for any uh, tourists or foreigners visiting Japan, uh, you know, who has a limited means of uh, method of transportation that um, for those guys that just want to get out of the city during their time in Tokyo, um, can access uh, very easily. So I took, uh, yeah, almost all the hikes, I took the train 
um, maybe like an hour and a half train ride um, to the mm-hmm. su- sub- suburban Tokyo, which is still in Tokyo. Uh, um, and yeah, what kind and of, I would. What, mm-hmm. No, sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. Like, what what kind of places uh, were they? I mean, uh, you went to rivers and did hikes, or yeah, uh, yeah. There's um the whole the western region of Tokyo. Well, I guess Japan in general too. Uh, the, the, all these like mountains are just connected, and yeah. Um, so I focused on the the western side of Tokyo. There's so many different hikes, so many different trails out there. Um, so I just literally, uh, um, between Monday and Friday, I would just browse online and just look for hikes um, and just list down some of the options. And yeah, by the Friday evening, I would just choose one and I would um, call up my friends. And if they're available, they would, yeah, we would meet up the next day in the morning, take the train. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I guess for yeah, it was really important for me to just kind of get away from from the city in order for me to uh, be able to get back into work on Monday with uh, I guess calmer, more clear uh, mm-hmm. mind, more energy. Yeah, more energy, and because yeah, well, I mean, I, t- Tokyo is just um, it's really awesome in a way that you can uh, you don't have to leave the city to. Uh, find source of entertainment. Um, mm-hmm. It's a one good part, like good aspect of the city. Uh, but yes, I think definitely my experience in Vancouver and living there for three and a half, three years. Um, that's when I really start to appreciate um, um, appreciate um, uh, finding entertainment uh, through uh, in the nature, uh, such as camping yeah. and hiking, it was so accessible, and I think part of me kind of missed that um, aspect, right. and I tried to yeah. recreate that in Tokyo as well. Mm. Yeah, well, it's very yeah, like you said, it's very accessible in in Vancouver and, mm. and Seattle as well. Um, but I, I think it's just awesome that, that you're doing that, you know, going out or we're before the coronavirus going out every, almost every weekend. I mean, that's like a fantastic way to, you know, spend your, spend your weekend is just doing mm. something different, getting out of, mm. uh, you know, your regular routine. And I feel like just so many people, you know, mm. once the weekend comes around, they're still kind of like mm-hmm. recuperating at home or just staying at home kind of you know mm-hmm. like sleeping in and 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 doing all like you know not getting out and getting um um sort of uh, in a, a zone of discomfort and i think that's so important to do um because not only does it like expose you to just seeing different things and mm-hmm. and having these cool experiences but it also gives you some like you said clarity of mind and more energy and and uh, it really helps with, you know, just maintaining yeah. a positive outlook on things. It's just getting like a fresh breath of air. There's nothing better than that. And uh, I think it's definitely something that we can all do a little bit more mm-hmm. of. Yeah, definitely. Um, do, do you do something as well? Because, you know, working in a hospital or just working in general can be stressful. And you know, everyone has their own ways of um, kind of balancing their mental and physical well-being. but. Right. 
Well, yeah. so I mean, for now, I'm I'm working just part time at the hospital um, just to start off. I didn't want to go like full in. I didn't want to like you know do five days a week right yeah. away uh, because it's just something that's very new to me, and I just want to ease myself into it before. Um, yeah, I really get things going. But uh, so it does allow me a little bit more time than than I think uh, you may have. But again, like it's so hard to be uh, to do much of anything these days with all the restrictions put in place. But exactly. I think I think at the end of the day, in some cases, I mean, you have to be you have to be smart about these things, obviously. But uh, mm-hmm. you don't want to either make excuses for you. It's uh, for yourself, it's like you can be safe and still go out into nature, go take walks. Mm-hmm. I mean, being outside just in general is so much more safer for you than to be stuck inside in terms of being not only less or less susceptible to um, to contracting the virus, but also um, just in terms of like, you know, getting a vitamin D and uh, mm-hmm. getting some sunlight, getting some exercise. I mean, it's ironic to think that the very people or the very things that uh, that actually put you at a lower risk uh, for mm. contracting coronavirus are the very things that are being restricted at this time. You know, people are saying, don't go out, don't don't go exercise as much, don't, like the parks are closed and the national parks are closed and this and that. And so mm. it's kind of like a weird balance that you have to play because you don't know really uh, where what you can do and, and, and where you can go. Um, I about that, but yeah, yeah. But, uh, to, I guess I don't know if I answered your question. Question, yeah. but I, I, do, do, I yeah, like, yeah. It, it, like, um, um, you know, not, 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 not just because of like the work, but you know, obviously quarantining and stuff that kind of, kind of, drive a lot of people nuts. And yeah, and, no, mm-hmm. for sure. And I've definitely, I mean, I've had my sh- fair share of being feeling like I'm going nuts during this quarantine. Mm. But I have to say that one thing that has been keeping me sane during these strange times is staying physically active. Uh, I try to, uh, you know, I kind of set up this little home gym at, uh, at, uh, in my garage, there's like an empty space and my, um, uh, we had some weights lying around and, and, uh, uh, like I ordered a bench and everything, so we're kind of uh, oh nice yeah we're trying to stay active and I try to make a point of you know doing something active on most mm-hmm. days. Um, I just feel like it keeps me you know thinking straight. To, mm-hmm. You know I I'm challenging myself physically and I'm I'm sweating. I'm getting the heart rate up. Um, and it seems to help with a lot of the uh, perhaps anxiety that people mm-hmm. feel. Um, about the situation that we're in and uh, it can keep you in a good mood and I think yeah it's definitely very important to you know get your physical exercise and go outside and and take some uh, have some vitamin d uh, you know it's interesting I was reading mm-hmm. something or listening to something on on the Joe Rogan podcast about uh, about the vitamin d deficiency in in America and how um, you know, a huge proportion of people that are dying from the, the virus are deficient yeah. in, in vitamin D. Um, vitamin D is a 
a it starts out as a vitamin but when it's processed throughout your body it kind of develops into a, a hormone a hormone that's really important for just overall uh good health and and um and mm. so you know when people are deficient in this vitamin like a lot of bad things can happen and uh, is that is know, that the vitamin that you can sorry is that the vitamin that you can get from uh, the sun Sunlight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Vitamin D that you get from the sun. And, mm. you know, people are not going outside now. They're not, you know, getting that exposure. So mm. um, from what what I heard and um, maybe know a little bit for myself is that, uh, you know, a, vit- a little bit of vitamin D every day can go a long ways. Um, and yeah. so I, I got like a couple vitamin D supplements that I just, uh, you know, have a few drops of it every day. And, uh, um that and just sort of compensates for the lack of it that we're getting at this moment and just in general i mean even before this people were severely vitamin d deficient and uh, mm. i think it's just been overlooked for so long um and it's definitely yeah you should check it out and see yeah uh, I- i'm just looking up food with vitamin d fish uh orange juice soy milk Beef liver, cheese, egg yolks. Yeah, I mean, there's vitamin D in a lot of things. Uh, I'm, I would be curious to know, like, whether or not um, they have these foods have enough of it. I know mm. that uh, the um, that you know the recommended dose for for vitamin D is usually a lot higher than what you would get from just a regular regular you know American diet or whatnot. So it would be worth it to, you know, uh, taking it supplementally, supplement as supplement. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, but yeah, just something interesting that I, I was looking into uh, as this whole thing has unfolded. I see. I see. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess we've, uh, yeah, we've talked for like an hour and a half. Yeah, I just I uh, just yeah. saw that. I haven't been paying attention to the the time. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Funny how just time flies by. It's it's. What are you up to now, or after this? I'm well. Right here in Seattle, it's just about seven p.m. right now, and mm. uh, which which means uh, dinner time. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 raining super hard outside mm. right now, and uh, there's this bit big storm going on and it's quite quite nice and relaxing actually to hear them to hear the rain come down i open my window and uh, it's really mm-hmm. uh, nice and calming <laughs> i see yeah <sighs> what time is it in tokyo right now uh, it's like 11 a.m um so i think after this i'm probably gonna go for a bike ride um yeah i i my dad gave me his uh, road bike so I will, I think from next following week, I have to get back into the office, but I'm planning on uh, biking instead of taking the train just to avoid oh, the nice. crowd. So yeah, I'm just going to go for a uh, ride. How far away is it? It's about 8K, 9K one way. So it takes about 45 minutes uh, one okay. way. So it's not, it's oh, not that okay. bad. Yeah, it's still it's yeah. still far enough though. Yeah, it is. good exercising. 
Yeah. Well, before before yeah. uh, you let me go here, I, I wanted to ask you just like uh, yeah. for my own curiosity, um, mm -hmm. the your your inspiration behind starting this podcast. Because I thought you know when you first reached out to me and told me that you were starting this podcast, I thought it was such I was um, yeah I thought it was such an awesome idea, and I, I'm wondering where where it came from and why you decided to do this. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I guess, um, it's definitely another, uh, like addition to, uh, um, my blog post in terms of starting a project outside of my routine life. But also, you know, I, I guess after college and working, um i just like all pretty much all the things that we've we talked about just feeling lost about um the next moves or i just start to really question um to myself you know if this am i am i happy um where as or um where i want to spend a lot of my time and energy on um mm -hmm. and i guess yeah i just start to talk about it to a lot of my friends and yeah, they also told me that they feel they felt just as lost as me, or um, some of them. Some of them weren't. You know, some of them they had their goals and they knew what they wanted to become. And so, yeah, I just kind of feel lost. But at the same time, I really enjoyed um, discussing and talking to a lot of my friends and also the people that are a lot older than me. Uh, and just said that yeah, twenty twenties is a very confusing time for people in general it uh it definitely is i have to say and and i think this is a great way of sort of talking about these issues and and uh, realizing that uh, other people are in very you know similar situations and everybody's having a difficult time especially now and especially you know people i think in in our age uh, range i think you know it's a tough world to be growing up in uh and i think uh, uh there are definitely a lot of good things obviously and things to be grateful for but uh it's also important to you know uh, connect to one another and, and talk about these things and uh, see what other perspectives there are out there and yeah and uh what else uh the world has to offer so i think it's a fabulous fabulous uh side project you have going on both here on this podcast and also on your instagram account and uh, uh thank you you know uh, i think i think you definitely need to keep on pursuing this and and yeah um, and see where it takes you yeah definitely. definitely yeah it's uh yeah i'm really glad we were able to finally uh do this and i'm sure uh we will have many more uh, episodes together in the future. Um, yeah, awesome. Maybe like, yeah, a few months after this or just to see where you are. Um, but yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot for your time and um, just being an awesome guest and just a good friend in general. Appreciate it. Well, <laughs> well, Toby, it's been an absolute pleasure to be uh, on your yeah. pod podcast talking to you. I've had a great time. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm just gonna click the stop recording button and yeah, for sure. Just see. I'm I'm sure we can still talking, but yeah. For now, I'm just gonna click stop recording. Yeah, sounds good. Mm -hmm.